time to talk training, fitness, and health on the Weight Endurance Podcast. We're not doctors, dietitians, or physiologists. We're professional coaches, and your hosts, Cody and Kathy Waite. We've worked with hundreds of endurance athletes over the last 15 years through our training facility, plans, and programs. Within this podcast, we're sharing our own training and racing experiences, along with the knowledge gained from working with our athletes. We'll be shedding light on the training methodologies that we've found to be the most successful in making you a fitter and faster cyclist. All right, welcome back. I'm your host, Cody Waite. And I'm Kathy Waite. And you are listening to the Weight Endurance Podcast, fueled by thefeed.com. And we are on to episode number 78, and it's been a little while. It's been almost three months. Is that what it's been? Three yeah. months? Okay. Yeah, I think our last episode was back mid-April, mm-hmm. prior to us launching into our redevelopment racing season, our cross-country mountain bike race season with our junior development program. Mm-hmm. It was a whirlwind. It was, and we'll cover that. Um, lots of fun, exciting things happened, mm-hmm. and, um, and and now we're sort of back into somewhat of a routine, I guess, um, for summertime, building up towards big events, the national championship, cross-country mountain bike race. We got a lot of riders going to Leadville, gravel races, stuff like that um, coming up here uh, in the middle middle part of the summer. Yeah, basically, we feel like we finally had a moment to sit down and, and do this. Yeah, I, I think I've said this before on, on the podcast that it always seems like, oh, we'll just record on the road because for those that are unaware, we travel in a, um RV to these events. Mm-hmm. And so throughout mo- basically all spring, we were traveling around the country in the RV and it's like, oh, we'll just... <laughs> pull out the recorder and do a recording. That's easy, right? Yeah, just like we're going to pull our bikes out and take a ride. Right. And <laughs> things that really happened. <laughs> exactly. Not everything goes as, as smoothly as you, you think or as you would plan. But anyway, we ramble. Um, Let's start with thefeed.com. Yeah. Yeah, so thefeed.com, our big sponsor this year. Super grateful to them. They're an online endurance sports nutrition superstore, for lack of a better term. Uh, they have every single... Everything. Nutrition product you could think of from the obvious drinks, bars, gels, chews to some of the least, less obvious things, uh, recovery tools and clothing that enhances recovery and all this stuff mm-hmm. kind of geared towards improving one's performance for endurance sports. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're big fans of them and very grateful for them. And you as podcast listeners, if you're new, we've been saying this every episode this year, but if you haven't done it yet already, go to thefeed.com and register, open an account, register your email with them. And you, using the link, see I'm a little rusty, it's been a while, using the link, which I'll provide in the show notes, but it's thefeed.com forward slash teams forward slash we dash podcast dash 2022. Just click the link in the show notes. That'll be much easier. Then put in your email um, and set up an account, and you get a twenty dollar credit. So it's like free twenty bucks to go uh, shop at thefeed.com. So pretty easy, pretty cool, pretty darn easy. Yeah, we just put in a big order ourselves to get us through like the end of the. Why competitive is it so season. much fun to get a box in the mail? Like regardless of the fact that you paid for it, it's still right. like Christmas. Yeah, like, we knew exactly oh, what was in it. Is here. But it was exciting. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and there's nothing better. You know, sometimes, as a side note, you know, midsummer, maybe you've been training a lot and you're kind of hitting like the doldrums, or, you know, it's mm-hmm. like a little bit of a struggle to get out the door maybe to train. You get something new and it could be something as simple as a scratch energy bar. Yeah. You know, wow, you know. But sometimes that's all it takes and you well, have that fresh. Yeah. 
flavor in your pockets, and away you go. And well, it's true. I was down just to eating, I think, fig bars from Costco, and ugh, they were just getting so gooey in my mouth, and I was so grossed <laughs> out. Yeah. And then you texted me and said, "Hey, I'm putting in an order. What do you want?" I was like, "Oh my God, give me some of those pie bars, and give me the scratch bars, and yeah, I want this, and I want that." And yeah. Yeah. I was excited to get the box in the mail. Yeah, they're really good, and we're going to be reviewing um, some of the our favorite bars coming up. Not this episode, but in coming up episodes, um, and we'll hit those Betty Lou pie bars. I think we Gosh, both agree. I love them. That's yeah. one of our favorites. So that's coming up. But this episode's featured product um, is a brand called Momentus, which maybe you haven't heard of. Maybe you have. They're, they they have a lot of different products focused around performance and recovery, um, but I think kind of their key product and the ones we were most interested in was their recovery drink mix mm-hmm. and also their protein powders and I think it's one of the better ones that I've tried to be honest um, I'll talk about the pro- recovery mix real quick and then I'll let you take the protein powder because you're on a big uh, I don't know bandwagon is the right <laughs> term for protein powder but you have a reason and you'll get to that but before that the recovery mix the reason I like it and what makes it different from just about any other one I've seen on the market is that it's not excessive in the carbohydrate like the grams of carbohydrates in it so most of your uh, endurance recovery drink mixes are going to have around 20 grams of protein they found that works really well for the male athlete and Mm -hmm. we'll get into what's actually better for the female athlete here in a second but 20 grams of protein is sort of the 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 gold standard for recovery Mm -hmm. drink and then many of them will have quite a bit more carbohydrates as well. Often like the three to one carbohydrate to protein or even a four to one carbohydrate to protein because the idea is like you've maybe depleted some of your glycogen stores after a hard workout or race, you need to replenish. Well, just like we spout on and on um, to all of our athletes and probably in the podcast over the episodes is that you need to fuel your workouts to get the most out of them well guess what if you fuel your workouts right so you're taking your carbohydrates on via drinks gels blocks bars all those sorts of things during your workout you actually don't end up digging too big of a hole into your glycogen stores so true right right and i think i know we've said it to our junior athletes i don't know if we've said it on the podcast but it's you really shouldn't come home from a ride hungry very often. I mean, that occasionally does happen. But if you fueled properly, mm-hmm. you almost should, you know, hit hit the stop button on your Wahoo or your Garmin, and you put your bike in the garage or whatever, and actually not be ravenous. If you are ravenous, you didn't fuel right, right? Yeah, that's true. So, what I like now is this momentous. It just has, I think it's like ten grams of carbohydrates. Most recovery drinks will have. 20 or 30 grams of carbohydrates mm. and they all have about, like I said around 20 grams of protein so I've done really well fueling you do really well fueling um, workouts so it's like you don't need that much carbohydrates afterwards so this produces kind of a the flavor profile is pretty mild it's mm-hmm. kind of a watery drink it's not a thick heavy drink it's easy to get down it's easy to mix um, it has a vanilla and a chocolate flavor and I really like it now for the female athlete, and I'll let you take over, but you actually need more protein. And that's where their protein powders kind of right. come in where you can actually add to it, right? Yeah, I've been taking this online course with Dr. Stacy Sims, and she's really well-known in the endurance community. She's amazing. Yeah, really um, good. And what I've learned so far from her is that 
most studies for products and for performance are done on white men in their early 20s. And so when you see the recommendation for 20 grams of protein after a workout, that's actually for that male population. Mm-hmm. And it, through her studies and through her research, she's determined that um, the average female, like the younger female, needs 30 grams of protein okay. after a workout. So quite a bit more, 10 more grams. Yes. And the older female, and I'm in that category, age 48, needs 40 grams of protein. And that... I mm. think makes your eyes bug out. It you, does. It you, seems like a I lot. know. Every time you're like, "What?" Um, and so, not only do females need more protein, but we have a very short window to consume right. that protein after the workout. This this actually blows my mind. Yeah, this okay, stat. The really stat is the uh, the males have eighteen. I think let me get this right. Eighteen to twenty one hours after a workout to consume enough protein to like re- repair your muscles and right. you know build so it's a up pretty big window yeah it's a huge window the whole rest like, of the day you don't night. have to worry about it you, yeah you can take a shower take a nap and then oh maybe i'll have a meal like it, it, you don't have to even think about it well and you can sprinkle in the protein a little bit in your recovery drink right. which is maybe why it's only 20 grams in most mm-hmm. and then you have your meal maybe an hour later or whatever it is and you get another 20 grams let's say but females, but females this need, is crazy oh, the window to consume the protein after a workout for optimal like protein synthesis for your muscle repair is 30 to 45 minutes. Wow. Okay, so you heard it's me? quick. 30 to 45 minutes, less after than an workout. hour for the women, and almost an entire day for the men. Right, right. And so, this is not yeah. to be confused with the famous glycogen window, which has been somewhat debunked, but the idea was you, after a workout or a race, you needed to... to consume all these carbohydrates to replenish because your your muscles and your liver were maybe more receptive to uptaking the glycogen mm-hmm. right and, and taking it on board and, and refilling that's sort of been debunked that it's not that critical in the time it can kind of happen over any span of time but anyway this is more of the protein yeah. window which i mean maybe in the bodybuilding world that's spoken about but in the endurance world i i'm not really familiar with anyone talking about that but very interesting and, and partly probably because the male athlete it's really not that critical it's not really a window it's a massive garage door that's wide open right <laughs> yeah, airplane hangar good, door right that's a wide good way open. To put it. and for the for the female athlete it's a it's, small window yeah, it's crucial so like, yeah it's like a home vent and it ha- like i can get distracted cleaning or something and playing with the dogs mm-hmm. laying them out i'm like no 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 no. i first need to grab that, that recovery yeah you've got 45 minutes tops to get that in and you were saying is it like the perimenopausal and menopausal women so kind mm-hmm. of f- above 40 let's say 40, yeah. 40, 45 or whatever need even more yeah. 40 grams that's a yeah. lot so but it's easy with a drink um like a mix like this so yeah so what have you been doing um i think like that scoop in in the momentous bag is uh an extra 20 grams so i'll do well i i've actually been mixing it with a different recovery drink mm-hmm. which has 20 grams of protein right and then i'll um with some carbohydrates and then i'll throw another dash you know another scoop of that the protein powder. The, the protein powder. Shake it all up and bring it down. So it's a little thicker, but... It's not you know, really even that It's not thick, that bad. No. Okay. And I actually like to put tons of water in my recovery mix you do, because yeah. I'm a huge sweater and I feel like... Might I, as well I could, yeah, put some more fluids in my body. Right. Okay. Yeah. So there you go. There I mean, you, go, you heard it here. Um, yeah. Stacy Sims is amazing. Is she... What is she? A nutrition or a dietitian uh, or no, she's physiologist? A, I think she's considered an exercise physiologist. Exercise physiologist, and she's highly, highly specialized in female athletes, and it's really fascinating. You're taking this really extensive course from mm-hmm. her to become kind of certified in her 
um, methodology. Yeah, her methods and whatnot, which is really cool because a lot of our junior athletes are females, young females, and um, their training needs to be a little bit different. Absolutely. Because the hormones are different, the cycles, you know, all that sort of stuff. So it's really interesting. And so just this extra need for protein is a perfect example. So really good. All right. So if you want to try out Momentous brand products from thefeed.com, this is the time to do it. 10% discount code we podcast dash dash momentous dash tfp10 put that in when you're checking out and you'll get 10% off any of their products the recovery mix the protein powders and any of their other great products as well so i'll put the link in the show notes and then you just plug that in as the coupon code when you check out and get 10% off the feed.com so go check them out all right okay we went on a tangent but that's i I get really passionate talking about the girls oh for sure health and recovery and yeah yeah i think recovery male or female is super critical i mean it's a big piece of the puzzle absolutely all right so let's move on episode 78 the 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 main topic here is that it's the middle of summer and it's crunch time (laughs) (laughs) that's what i came up with so not captain crunch but rather it's time to put in the big training because likely you've got a big event coming up, whether right. it be a national championship, which are happening and going to be happening over the next several weeks, whether it's a big endurance race like Leadville or Steamboat Gravel or a big stage race like the Breck Epic or anything like that. They all kind of happen in that mid-summer time, and it's time to get that in. So we're going to share some key training methods and uh workouts that are really critical so revolving around threshold training and then the big volume rides uh but before we do that our favorite segment let's talk about what we've been up to we love talking about ourselves (laughs) (laughs) well you know what i really love talking about is all the the adventures with the kids the the we development yes gosh we had and it's been three months so buckle up people no we'll make this as quick as possible well yeah we just had so much fun um traveling and, and being at the races with the kids, and we did race ourselves a couple times. So where do we start? Um, well, let's just go chronologically. Okay, go chronologically. So right before our last episode, that was mid-April, that was the the start of the Pro XCT Junior and, and Elite UCI mountain, cross-country mountain bike series was beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one was in Fayetteville, Arkansas. It seems like so long ago. It does seem like a long time ago. So these races, these four races that we're going to share with you that we experienced are the ones where the serious UCI level juniors and the elites and U23s go to collect their points so they can get world rankings and get to world cups and world championships and things like this. So this is like the big leagues um, in the United States and then you you can collect points outside the United States as well. Um, But these were like our big races for our mm-hmm. for our development program. So yeah, so first we went to Arkansas, northwest Arkansas, really cool area. Bentonville is kind of the marquee name, but Fayetteville is just south, like 30-ish minutes, I think, 45 minutes. Yeah. Um, very cool. The, the Walmart family put tons of money into like creating really cool, like legitimate UCI-level race-worthy trails um, and courses out there. So it's like the real deal um, in terms of the cross-country mountain bike racing with a lot of big features, you know, stuff that if you ever watch Red Bull TV, uh, the World Cups, you know, yeah. the, the big gnarly drops and the jumps and all that kind of stuff that you see in that in the short lap kind of format. Yeah, it's really fun to watch that that course. And, but, God, it was, like, intimidating for all of the 
all the teammates to be there, I think, with yeah. it being the first race of the season. The weather was inclement. We, it was rainy and, and muddy. Windy and as heck. Windy. Oh, yeah. that's right, the wind. I was worried every single day, like, our, our team tent was going to blow down. But well, some, some of them did. <laughs> some of them did. That's <laughs> the right. wind destroyed the entire specialized tent set up and another team, I can't remember which yeah. one it was. Um, yeah, so the kids did well. I mean, it was sort of like a shocker for a bunch of them to to be at such a high-level event with like top level competition yeah that first race in our that's probably the most competitive one in the united states mm-hmm. in terms of who shows up um i mean kate courtney was there chris blevins was there mm-hmm. uh you know all the big names in the elite races all the juniors that are into it show up you know mm-hmm. it's, it's legit so um so yeah that was a real kick in the pants um we had some solid results amongst the team and we had some heartbreaks but you know it was the start of the season and away we went away we went yeah so then from arkansas we went to the next round two weeks later to uh what's called soldier hollow in um northern utah Mm -hmm. outside of salt lake near park city so moderate elevation a little it's not really mountainous it's like at the foothills of the mountains Mm -hmm. i suppose more climbing a little more climby um yeah, I mean... Very different weather. It was like blue blue skies and sunny. Yeah. It was actually pretty hot. Like, I was dumping water on myself. Right. It was definitely a nice change with the weather. Um, really good race. Actually, we collected our first... Well, actually, Johnny, one of our juniors, was like... Was he second? Oh, my gosh. 17, We should have, like, double-checked. But, yeah, he yeah. was on the podium, like, top of the step. Oh, it was amazing. Yeah, and it was a really great battle. That one, like, stands out as a highlight um, amongst some of the races that he battled and finished second in the 1718s in a sprint finish for second. Oh, that's right. The, okay. the winner had won solidly, and then, yeah, there was, like, three of them for second, third, fourth, I think. And, yeah, um, I think he was cranking out with, like, 14, that, for not 1,000, 1,400 watts for the sprint finish. Yeah, the sprint that was, was so fun. insane. That kid puts up massive numbers. Um, it's pretty cool to see. And then the other big highlight was um, Sophia, our daughter, uh, got us our first elite victories. Not just one, but two. She won the cross country and the short track in the yeah. elite women's races. So, yeah, that was really cool. Um, I mean, to be fair, it wasn't the most competitive field. Nowhere near as competitive as the Arkansas race, but um, because there were some UCI World Cups in Europe, and mm-hmm. that drew the, the fastest girls over there. Um, but it was still a, you know, a decent field. And, and actually, mean, she was sick. So the fact that she could pull it out when she felt really crappy with a cold... Yeah. We were proud of her. Um, so that was really cool. And that's a big um, stepping stone for our program, too, mm-hmm. I think, to have our first two elite uh, victories. And then from there, we went two weeks later again over to the Midwest. Yes, I got to go home-ish. Home-ish. Because uh, I grew up in Indiana, so my parents even came and met us up in Wisconsin, and we had the best several days there. Yeah, so another big change in venue atmosphere. This totally was different. literally in a cow pasture. <laughs> Our first time at this race, um, and going there, we had no idea what to expect. Right, we'd heard it was at a cow farm. And so we're kind of picturing, oh, this is going to be a good race in a cow pasture. But it actually ended up being really cool. Oh my gosh. It was so hillier than you would think. Hillier than you think, for sure. Like, I think it was about 2,000 feet of climbing in a race, and that was significant when there was no hills. Right, right. So this guy owns uh, this cow pasture. Ben uh, Agnew. Ben Agnew. Super really nice cool guy. guy. Yeah. He's big and, you know, long time in mountain biking. His, you know, his kids are into mountain biking, all that sort of stuff, and he decides to, like, cut, mow, literally mow a trail 
um, into his cow pastures and, and there's rocky features and then there's little stream crossings and things like that as well. So it's not just like literally a f totally flat pasture, but it, it was pretty dynamic actually. And there's some wooded sections and stuff. I but it was really loved cool. it. I thought it was like one of the most fun courses I've ever ridden. Yeah. Yeah. I think all of us that were new to going to that event were really mm -hmm. pleased with how that turned out. Um, but it was such a change in going from the, all the environment, like the climate environments. Mm -hmm. They've really been fun. totally different. Yeah. Different stuff. My favorite was the grass-fed beef burgers <laughs> served uh, throughout the whole weekend. Yeah, you, from ate a, you ate a lot of them. The cows right on the pasture, like you couldn't get any better than that. So yeah, I think I had at least one hamburger each day. I at least. <laughs> and my favorite was my cow T-shirt. I'm actually wearing it right now. It yeah, was, it was so cute. So that was really cool. We had some solid results there. Um, yeah, so Sophie was back on the podium again. Podium. That's fun. Yeah, some good podiums. Brady was on the podium. Uh, I can't remember Natasha. everybody. Natasha. Yeah. So we had some good good racing there, and then the fourth and final one was three weeks later, I believe, in Missoula, Montana, which has become one of our favorite places to visit. I think. Yeah. Would you agree? Yeah, for sure. That's yeah. a really cool area, and we had such a lovely couple weeks just traveling up there like we went true along the northern states we so from wisconsin which was just glorious and gorgeous with the rolling so hills green. But, I couldn't oh my it. god it was like being in europe yeah. it was so beautiful and then we cut through minnesota which actually wasn't that green and not that remarkable to be honest sorry mm -hmm. anyone from minnesota <laughs> um but then we entered north dakota it was my first time ever being in that state mm -hmm. and we absolutely loved being in medora north dakota mm -hmm. and riding the famous Imba epic trail called Matahe. Right. So we drove mostly across North Dakota. Mm -hmm. When you got kind of towards the west western edge, you get into the Badlands, which oh I've heard about. Oh my God, they're gorgeous. Yeah, but they really are amazing, like beautiful to look at. And this Matahe trails, this hundred, there's 150 miles one way of like single track mm -hmm. cut into the Badlands. Um, amazing. There's a cool race that I've heard of, never done it, but I've heard of there, the Matahe 100. Um, I've heard great things about that as well, but we so we got to ride a, a little bit of it. Yeah, we got rained on, so it sort of cut it short. There was a lot of rain, yeah, from that. Yeah, did you all not spring. feel like we were just sort of moist for about a month? Yeah, like our, <laughs> I would say so. our bath towels. Nothing never, ever dried out. Bath towels never dried. Yeah, my feet were wet. I didn't own boots. Now I do. Like, come right. on, get prepared, Kathy. Yeah, I mean, well, we're from Colorado <laughs> and Arizona, where it doesn't really rain a whole lot. So, um, but yeah, that that was really cool. I would say that was a highlight of the non-racing aspect of our trip that way. And then we made it to Missoula and. Another great local promoter puts on the Missoula race. Um, and yeah, he was awesome. An, again, another huge shift in course and climate and environment. Big climbs, steep so climbs. Steep. Very wooded. You know, you're in the in the forest for most of it. Um, and just a really cool race that... Uh, it was a really good, cool race. Would you say it was probably the most European feeling of, like, the mountainous, steep Climbs and descents, yeah. 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 I, I, my Wahoo told me like one part of the, the course was 26% grade on that climb. Yeah, it was and very I steep. know some of the descents were like that steep. Yeah. They were tricky. It was very steep and wooded and a cool course. I was hoping to race, but then the weather again was kind of foul. It was yeah, rainy we, and muddy. You're fair weather racers. I'm definitely a fair weather <laughs> racer, so I bagged it myself. I, I don't know. I hope to do it next year, so. Um, but yeah, we had some good results, some good showings there and it, you know, everything was highly successful. And then we made our way back down to Colorado and here we are now 
So next up is the national championship, which thankfully is in our home state, Colorado, in Winter Park again for the final time. And then um, and then some Leadville racing possibly. Well, we're doing Silver Rush coming up in a week or so. Ooh, it's going to be a doozy. Yeah, so we'll finally get a chance to get a bit more consistent training ourselves because one thing we found with this road trip to all these races is we're you know we were working basically and squeezing in rides was way harder than we anticipated Mm -hmm. i think wouldn't you agree yeah it was such a flip of the coin um compared to our spring and i I know we mentioned this on a podcast back in the spring that wow we'd had the most consistent training blah 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 and it was true from november through april april we were situated in arizona the weather was perfect our lives were in a way very simple and Mm -hmm. I have never had such a huge block of consistent training. Right. And then we left town, and I've never been so inconsistent right. in my training. <laughs> yeah, it was the polar opposite. It was so crazy, but it did give us like a probably a renewed appreciation for like the normal person with a normal job and a normal life. Like mm-hmm. it's it's just as hard, um, especially those who travel for work. I I'm yeah. not sure how they even do it. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's no joke. So fitting in one's training around work and travel and things like that is uh, and family of course is very tricky to say the least um, so it's probably why you're calling this episode crunch time because we you and i yeah. feel like we're like crunching this last bit of training opportunity yeah i think as i was writing the notes out i was thinking of our ourselves like oh wow we've got you know a few weeks to go to silver rush and then if we you know do these other races leadville and whatnot it's like well, there's not much time left and this is the time to to build that final bit of, you know, big fitness um, to, to get in there. So that's a good segue into that. Um, I mean, it is nearly 4th of July. Um, I think this episode will get released probably right around 4th of July. So happy 4th to everybody. Um, and just like I said, I mean, Leadville and other events like that, six weeks away. That's crazy. Is all it is. So, um, so yeah, so no, no doubt it is time to build that big fitness um, prior to tapering and peaking for your a mm-hmm. race so using leadville as, as an example because many of our listeners and athletes are targeting leadville you want to allow and plan for about a two-week taper mm-hmm. for an event like leadville so if we have six weeks to race day that really only leaves four weeks of actual training time and available. you may think well, what's the point but i've been shocked in the what two and a half weeks since we've been home like like how much ctl i've accumulated or you know how much mm-hmm. more fitness i've accumulated just by being back in a routine yeah so there is still time that's the good news right it's never i mean people ask me all that all the time like how when is it too late to like prepare get in, for like these? get in shape kind of thing yeah, yeah. and it, i mean it, i really the the answer i most commonly say is it's really never is too late until you're two weeks out because mm. it's like two weeks out like then it's too late. You know, right. you, you obviously like, there's not much you can do after when you're two weeks into left to your race, that's time to taper and, and sharpen and peak. And we'll probably talk about that in our next podcast episode, how to do a taper and sharpen and peak for a race. But prior to that, if you have two weeks prior to, to those two weeks, mm-hmm. you can still build a decent amount of fitness mm-hmm. Four weeks. Absolutely. I, I mean, six for weeks. Sure. For I'm sure. seeing it. I was just looking yeah. in my training peaks data and I, gosh, I, I think it's at least 10 CTL points I've gone up in two weeks, which is a pretty aggressive ramp rate for me. So I'm Mm -hmm. trying to get tons of sleep. Right. But wow, I'm encouraged because I was sort of panicking that Silver Rush Mm -hmm. is right around the corner. I'm like, oh crap, maybe I shouldn't do this. But now I think I can can do it. It may not be as 
great as I did it like four years ago, but mm-hmm. I know I can at least accomplish yeah. that course. Well, and that's a great point. So th- those of you out there listening that have maybe been really like nice and consistent and steady, stick with it. Keep building. You know, if you have four weeks to go, say to your big event, you could probably gain conservatively four or five CTL points a week as, as the ramp rate. So that's another, you know, 16 to 20 CTL on top of what is likely to be already pretty good if you've been consistent. So you're, you're good to go. For those in situations more similar to ours, <laughs> where it's been a little more sporadic and we've, we're kind of much lower than we had anticipated in terms of our fitness and our CTL, then we can be a little bit more aggressive with our training mm-hmm. to kind of push a steeper ramp rate, seven, eight, nine, you know, per week, um, for the four, you know, two, three, four weeks and kind of get that big push before right. the, the tapering because, because you're coming in sort of quote under trained a little bit, you right, can kind of right. push a little bit more aggressively. So if you've been consistent, stay consistent, don't push because then you risk maybe overdoing it. Mm-hmm. But if you've been for whatever reason, inconsistent, you could consider kind of like pushing it a little bit if your schedule allows. And that's what we're kind of doing ourselves. So that kind of led in exactly to like, what, what are the key workouts? You know, as, as I was sort of like, you know, reconfiguring our schedules, you know, our training programs, you know, what are the key workouts we want to get in? And what'd you settle on there? Um, so really focusing on the threshold energy systems and then making sure you get those long endurance rides, okay. you know, kind of like the four or five hour rides for a silver rush, a 50 mile endurance race kind of situation. And then upwards of if, if, if it's more like a six plus hour race, hundred mile race, like Leadville, you know, I'll need to get in some six and even like a seven hour ride to really feel confident on the endurance part as well. So the threshold energy systems are kind of the main focus. And we've spoken a lot about threshold training, anaerobic threshold, aerobic threshold. There are two thresholds. Um, I think that's becoming more and more recognized and accepted in, in training back when I was younger and starting out, um, you know, 15 years ago, let's say there, we really only spoke about one threshold. It was the lactate threshold, which now we call the anaerobic threshold. And that's the one most people are familiar with. Um, that is now referred more commonly to the second threshold of these two. Mm-hmm. And it's the higher one. And, you know, in summary or, or, or just quickly, you know, the lactate threshold is that idea of when you're training, when you're working out, you're, you're acute, you're um, producing lactate in your blood, lactic acid. And your body metabolizes lactic acid and uses it actually for energy, for fuel. But when you reach a certain level of intensity, you're, you go beyond what your body can metabolize and some of it starts to accumulate. And so if you go to really high intensities, it's going to really rapidly accumulate. You know, that's is that why that burning sensation you feel in your legs or has that sort of been debated? Over that's been years? sort of debated as yeah. well, but it kind of makes sense. I mean, it's, it's what's going on. You yeah. know, when you go as hard as you can for two minutes you know, the blood lactate levels are going to skyrocket mm-hmm. and there's ways to measure it. Um, and you know, you'll see big values when you go really, really hard. And that's why when you go really, really hard, you can only do it for a relatively yeah. short period of time because it just accumulates too much. And then you, you start to kind of have to stop essentially, um, or slow down. But that point at which you are, you know, right at metabolizing the, the lactate 
or it's just gradually accumulating, mm -hmm. that's considered that lactate threshold or anaerobic threshold. And to be a little confusing, it's not that going above that is when you're being you're doing anaerobic work because you're not. You're still doing highly aerobic work at your anaerobic threshold and even above. That's when you get into VO2 max, which is highly anaerobic, or sorry, highly aerobic. And then even your anaerobic power workouts, the longer ones are still have some aerobic contribution. The nomenclature as well. can be so confusing. It is a little bit tricky, but it, the, I think the idea behind it is, you know, once you go beyond this anaerobic threshold or lactate threshold, you start to accumulate the lactic, the blood lactate um, levels beyond what you're able to metabolize. Does it have anything to do with what your body is burning for fuel? Definitely. Um, when you're at your anaerobic threshold and above, you're definitely, that is a glycolytic energy system, meaning you're burning glycogen or you're burning carbohydrates, mm -hmm. heavy amounts, you know, small amounts of fat still depending on the intensity level, but predominantly carbohydrates for sure. Um, <clears throat> now the second or actually the first threshold is the aerobic threshold. That's a lower intensity threshold. Um, and this occurs for most people around 80% of their max heart rate. And then to compare that to the anaerobic threshold or the second threshold, for most people, that's going to occur roughly around 90% of one's max heart rate. Okay. So that's a, <clears throat> pardon me, 10% uh, heart rate range, which equates for most people like a 15 to 20 beats per minute um, range between the two thresholds, right? This first threshold, the aerobic threshold, is the point at which you you are um, metabolizing equal amounts or relatively equal amounts of fat and carbohydrate. So I think I've said this once before in the podcast a while back that like if I were the scientist that discovered this or staked claim on this whole concept, I would have called this the metabolic threshold as opposed to the aerobic threshold because you're still aerobic well beyond that. Like I said, even above the anaerobic threshold is still mostly aerobic. <clears throat> but the threshold you're crossing really is now when you cross that aerobic threshold, you are now sh burning more carbohydrates than fat. So think of the aerobic threshold as like in a perfect scenario, 50-50 carbs and fat. And then when you go above it, now you're burning more than 50% carbohydrates. The harder you're going, that elevates significantly and the percentage of fat goes down. If you stay below it, maybe you're at, you know, above 50% metabolizing fats. And, and the, the idea behind it is staying below it so you're training that oxidative energy system and getting really good at doing work while using a lot of fat for fuel, thereby minimizing the carbohydrate consumption or usage, the glycogen usage. Um, and what that does is then you become more powerful using less carbohydrates so you can go longer and or faster in an endurance event in a nutshell. It was a good nutshell. <laughs> does that make sense? weight. Okay. Um, <laughs> no, it was good. All right. And we talk about it often, but I still need to hear it over and over again because, mm -hmm. honestly, the nomenclature gets so, like, muddled for me yeah, sometimes. Yeah, it's a little confusing. So, like... I definitely appreciate you explaining it repeatedly to me. Yeah. Um, so, good. Thank you very much. Yeah. So, what's interesting is, in, so you have these two thresholds. If you're below the first threshold, the aerobic threshold, that's obviously your aerobic training. So, that's mm -hmm. your easier training. That's where we like to prescribe things by heart rate. Mm -hmm. When you're above your, at or above your anaerobic threshold, so that's like 
training around FTP, you know, uh, and above, and you know, more powerful than that. Um, you are um, training by power. Then training by power. Thank you. Yes. But then monitoring your heart rate and monitoring your heart rate, especially in the early season. Not, right. Not going too hard, but um, and then when you're in between those thresholds. That used to be kind of referred to as like this, the gray zone mm-hmm. or like no man's land. You know, it was very commonplace in magazines. I remember reading like you want to avoid training in this area. And, you know, what's in the recent years, probably the last five years or more, training in this middle zone has become quite popular. And it's <laughs> called sweet spot training. That's Isn't that funny? Point how in between. Switch. Yeah. Don't have eggs. Just the egg whites. Right. You know? <laughs> now you can have them both again. Yeah. So it used to be called the gray zone, the no man's land. Now it's the, the, the sweet spot. Sweet spot. And it's a very popular training zone, if you want to call it that, for a lot of, you know, masters athletes, age group athletes um, wanting kind of, because the theory behind it is you're getting like the biggest bang for your buck. Mm-hmm. But we follow more of a polarized approach, um, if, if you've heard the term polarized training. In terms of like you want, we spend our train. We're we're usually either training at or below our aerobic threshold, or at or above our anaerobic threshold. And we do very little training in the middle, in that sweet spot or gray zone. Is this the way we've found? Um, and a lot of scientific studies actually will point towards polarized training as actually being more effective. So, um, but we're not scientists. We're coaches. We figured out kind of what works for most athletes, um, and that's the way to go. So all of that said, those key workouts in those final two, three, four weeks when you're before your taper going into a big, uh, a big event should be focusing on those thresholds. I like to train a couple of weeks of the anaerobic thresholds, and you and I have both kind of wrapped those up um, somewhat recently. Th- th- those are the classic like uh, four by eight minutes at a little above your anaerobic threshold, like maybe 106 to 108% of your FTP or what we call our 32 minute power, mm-hmm. the power you could hold maximally for 32 minutes. So a good, strong, uh, power output, definitely challenging workout. You, yeah, I remember a, you did those like a week ago. Yeah, I did it. It was kind of hot. Where yeah, you were. I was down in Denver and I went back to our, our old stomping grounds over on Green Mountain. Mm-hmm. The, the famous fire road at Green Mountain. Steep, wide, you know, totally exposed, hot climb, yeah. And it was a hot one. Yeah. I did start too late. It was like 9.15 when I left the door. Um, so I made it up the fire road twice. I completed two of the It's hard, minutes. yeah. Yeah, it's really hard. <laughs> it, like where I get to at the eight minute, like the seven and a half minute mark and I have to finish 30 seconds is like on the steepest part. Right. And I'm like going like six fifty RPMs just to get that part. <laughs> Um, and I just got so hot. I was, I had brought an extra water bottle, thank goodness. And I was dumping it on my head and on my back and on my chest. But after two of those, I thought I'm in trouble. I, my heart rate's getting too high. So I just made a little switch and broke it up and Mm -hmm. did, instead of doing two more eight minute intervals, I did four times four. Mm. And that way I could still hit the power targets, but not stress myself out so much. Because by the time my heart rate got up, it was well, there's the four minutes. And I, right. I just turned around and came back down the trail. And yeah. It was good. I was, you always get a little bummed. You can't do the prescribed workout. But it was still very effective. Well, yeah, you were adding the stress of the workout but compounding it with this heat stress mm-hmm. that we were really, you weren't ready for. You weren't accustomed to that because no, it was cold Montana and cloudy everywhere. Yeah. yeah. 
So that's the way to do it. So when you are training really any energy system, if if an interval is too long and too stressful to maintain, breaking it up is a great strategy. I did something similar the week or two prior when we were still in Montana and I was doing some training. I was doing the uh, so the uh, another classic threshold workout is training more right at your FTP or what we call our 64-minute power. And so four times 16 minutes, so some longer intervals at a you know moderately hard power output is another key workout to be doing during this time. And that's what I was targeting a few weeks ago. And <clears throat> it, I was doing them on kind of flatter terrain and holding 16 minutes at your FTP on a kind of flatter rolling terrain is actually extremely difficult, for me at least. Um, on a climb is more doable. So again, it, it was like a different... Sh- Stress, and mm-hmm. so I just decided to shorten them up and break up the 16 minutes with like little short recoveries. So I think I started with uh, four by four minutes um, with like a one minute recovery in between the four mm-hmm. minutes to get the 16 minutes worth of work. That, I did that on one day, like did four of those, and then I think the next couple days later, the next session of that did two by eight minutes, and then finally um, mustered through some. Oh, did you? I didn't. I guess minutes. I'd never heard the. Yeah. The culmination there. Yeah. So those are so so that's a those are good examples Mm -hmm. of that anaerobic threshold power um, kind of training that is really critical and it's a big bang for your buck. They Um, really yeah that wiped me out the rest of the day. Yeah, and they're they're big calorie burners for sure and big TSS builders Mm -hmm. and that's kind of the whole whole idea is we're like searching for those big TSS workouts in this period you know when you're really trying to push the envelope to build that big big fitness. Then on the then the next phase, so after you do anaerobic threshold workouts for two or three weeks, you know, maybe twice a week, then the next one is drop down to the aerobic threshold. And that's mm-hmm. kind of what we, we actually just did a aerobic threshold workout today, actually. Um, and these are much longer. They're a little bit lower. So we like to train these by heart rate, targeting that 80% of max heart rate, and then just seeing what power is going to be um, based <coughs> on where you are. Excuse me. Um, it's a really good workout. Yeah, it's a really good workout. Power wise, it depends on the person, but you're usually, you know, eighty to ninety percent of your FTP. But again, it's like train by the heart rate and just see what your power ends up. And these are longer intervals, um, more right. like to the tune of like twenty to forty or even forty-five minutes long. And depending on your event and your fitness <coughs> level, you're going to build these up um, to more and more. So you'll do ninety minutes or even two hours worth across a workout of, of these uh, yeah, so aerobic you would, you told uh, Sophia and, and, and me that you wanted us to do um, three times ten minutes. We were climbing up the Winter Park Fire Road. Three times ten minutes with just a short break. I think we did two minutes in between. Come back down and do it again. So that was an accumulation of 60 minutes, if I can do my math, mm-hmm. with very little recovery through the three main sets. Um, and it was... It was doable and like pleasant but yet i knew i was getting a good workout in and mm-hmm. actually i'm exhausted from it like shockingly exhausted mm-hmm. and what was interesting for me today is that you and i knew this already because i've done this workout here before but i focused on my heart rate and not the power because as i climbed up the fire road the altitude increased yes and if i had been fixated like sophia was <laughs> on the power output it would have made my heart rate go too high right so, like, I knew the first one, starting at the, the base of the resort, was going to be, like, sort of like my best one, in air quotes. Mm-hmm, and it sure. was, like, 
roughly 180 watts for the 10 minutes and then basically dropped about five watts for the next one and five watts for the third one because yeah. I was getting like up to 10,500 feet. Right. But that didn't bother me at all. I don't really care about that. I know I'm just getting like such good quality yeah. aerobic work. Absolutely. Yeah. Doing these on a long climb. That was a 30 minute long climb, 30 plus minute long climb because you were doing 10 minutes mm-hmm. and then the two minutes you'd keep going up the hill, but mm-hmm. you just shift real easy and go real super slow to quote unquote recover. And then you'd go again. So yeah, you're, you nailed it. I mean, you're, the elevation changes and, and the differences too between 9,000 to start and 10,000 at the top is like exponential in terms of like your mm-hmm. power loss. Um, so yeah, that makes a big difference. And the other thing too, depending regardless of elevation, is that as you go through this, we'll call it a 30-minute interval just broken up into 3 by 10, you're also getting more fatigued. Mm-hmm. You're also getting hotter because it was hot hot and your core temperature is going up right and those things will also elevate your heart rate which requires you to reduce your power output Mm -hmm. and that's one of the reasons why i think training this way via heart rate is so valuable because like you just said had you stuck to whatever the wattage was your heart rate would have started around 80 percent of max Mm -hmm. and then by the end you probably would have been 90% 90% of max, all of a sudden you'd be doing an anaerobic threshold workout instead of an aerobic threshold workout. Right, right. Um, and that's why, you know, there's a huge value to training by heart rate, especially when we're more in the the lower aerobic systems um, and not focus so much on the power because that cardiac drift happens, it's real, and there's reasons for it mm-hmm. because your body's getting, you know, introduced to more and more stress altitude increase core temperature just you know overheating mm-hmm. um and then the muscle fatigue of a long interval for sure too so um but yeah super good workouts i mean if if me speaking personally if if i were training for a big event any kind of endurance event leadville if i could only do one workout mm-hmm. it would be aerobic threshold workouts i, I totally agree that, that would be it honestly i mean even i would it I would if I did it week after week after week, I would get to the point where I could do so many, and it would be amazing. Now, mentally and physically, that would be really challenging, which is why we don't do that. <laughs> um, but it is the one workout um, to make sure you include in, into the program for sure. And then the last big, big fitness pusher are those long rides, mm-hmm. and these are done at much lower intensities. Um, Slower down. Yeah, more like that zone two type of intensity, um, you know, below the aerobic threshold for sure. Get in. I mean, if you're doing a climbing race, you definitely want to get in as much climbing as you can, depending on where you live and that sort of thing, and just get that altitude gain, get that um, those big TSS numbers, and also these are the best workouts to practice your fueling as well. Like oh, yeah. those last few weeks, like drink what you're going to drink, eat what you're going to eat, like as best as, like carry it all with you and the best, as closest as you can um, to what you're going to experience on race day. So so those are kind of the three key workouts to build that big fitness. Yeah, we're doing a big ride tomorrow. Yeah, we'll get our our long ride tomorrow. Exactly. Um, Okay. Yeah. Should we wrap it up? So we can wrap it up. Um, Yeah, what do you want to say about that? Just a... These are high demand workouts and rides, and they are. Yeah, I mean, you're tired. I'm I, tired. I'm actually so tired, but I'm I getting more and more tired as we go here. <laughs> <laughs> I know, and hungry. I've been really hungry this weekend from all the training. Well, that was the second note: big calorie consumption. So you you know you're gonna burn through a lot of calories again. So 
pack your gels and your drinks and, and stay up with that. Mm-hmm. Practice those fueling strategies. And then the recovery is super key too. Like if you're doing your whatever threshold workouts in your long rides, everything else in the week should be pretty easy. Right, right. You know? Uh, and I'm not a big napper, but today, well, also because I fell pretty hard coming back down the mountain, it just like really took it all out of me. And after you made us some egg burritos for lunch, I'm like, bud, I got to take a little nap. Yeah. And um, even I don't think I even fell asleep, but just closing my eyes for 30 minutes made a huge difference. And mm-hmm. I feel like, okay, I have a little more pep in my step and can make it through. Okay. I just banged my ring. Sorry about that. So anyway, um, what else did you want to say about that? That's it. Okay, well, thank you for listening, everybody. And just reach out if you have any questions about your training. We're always happy to get emails from you. You can reach us at Cody, and that's with a C, C-O-D-Y, at teamweight.com, or Kathy with a K at teamweight.com. And, yeah, Cody's always happy to steer you guys in the right direction in terms of training or needing a training plan. Um, And then, as always, leaving a rating and a review on your podcast platform is a really great way to to get our message out there to everybody yeah and share it with any of your cycling friends that you think would be interested all right well have a great fourth of july weekend be safe and we will talk to you soon talk to you soon everything we discuss on the weight endurance podcast we integrate into our annual base builder training program and downloadable training plans our base builder program is an annual online virtual group training program with us as your coaches allowing you to build your best cycling based fitness possible to prepare you for your next riding season we also offer downloadable training plans for base building cycling specific strength training and specialized race preparation for road, gravel, mountain bike racing, and everything in between. Consider our training plan subscription service, where you gain access to all of our training plans for as little as $20 per month. This allows you to easily switch between plans to create your most complete annual training progression. Regardless of the type of cyclist you are, by becoming a part of the weight endurance training community, you're allowing us to help you become a fitter and faster cyclist.